Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yeah. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Baby, we took a trip, now we on your block and it's like a ghost town. Baby, where did these be at when they said it Back in on the Gabe Coons Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me now, you've heard him a couple of times already with me. That would be Kyron Samuels, at Kyron Samuels on X. Former all-conference offensive lineman for Jacksonville State, who's now D1. We're talking about FBS. And uh, uh, he's senior consultant, I should say, and staff writer at Defiant Takes. Kyron, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? Glad to be back on the show. It's always a good time. Of course. Now, uh, you, you got to tell me, you're a group of five guy, all right, um, especially with Jacksonville State getting getting the call and, and joining the FBS um, this year. Memphis, Tulane kicking off just about right now. How do you feel about my Memphis Tigers, man? Like, what, what, what do you think of them? What's your impression of them so far this year? Uh resiliency is the word that I would use. I mean, right. I think they just find ways to win. I think they're just finding ways to hang in ball games and uh, come out on, on top. And I think as the game goes on, they've started to get stronger. So I really do like them a lot, and I love uh, the offense. I think, you know, Hennigan can protect the ball a little bit better than he has been. <laughs> right. uh, so we'll see that uh, coming up here shortly. But I really do love the running game, what you have with Blake Watson. And uh, a local guy from, you know, I played at Jacksonville State, uh, Rock Taylor, you know yep. he's from the Oxford area. Literally Stug. ten minutes down the road. So I got to watch that kid play in uh in high school, and I you know it, his recruitment story may not be known, but he was committed to Tennessee. So the it, the way he got to Memphis was unconventional in the first place. So to see him now taking care of uh, of his business and shining on the field, I'm really happy to see that. So I'm excited to see them get get it going. And I'm proud of Brock too, because like this is a guy who had to sit behind a bunch of good wide receivers for years, and finally he's getting his opportunity right. and taking advantage of most of it. And he's he's not that like explosive guy, run after the catch, but damn, he's got good hands. He can make catches in traffic. But you you bring up Blake Watson, man. I've been damn impressed with that kid. And like I, I the fact that he was at Old Dominion for four years before this, I just that that blows my <laughs> mind. This dude, this dude has power five ability. He looks like a pro. He really does. Catching the ball, you can split him out, uh, put him in the slot. Uh, he's really good between the tackles. Really good off tackle. He, he, I don't really see a, a real weakness in his game so far. Yeah, man. You know who he reminds me of, and this is high praise. So I'm not gonna say he he's this guy, but. 
he has that Doug Martin kind of build right. and that Doug Martin kind of frame. And I, I see a lot of the Doug Martin in this game. So I'm really excited. It was funny that you mentioned that he was uh, at Old Dominion. I went and looked up where he was from. I can't believe a guy from New York right. playing with this kind of physicality and this kind of toughness. So, uh, I really <laughs> like this guy a lot. So you're saying, you're saying the physicality and the toughness is built for the Southeast, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, would, I would think he's from Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee, somewhere somewhere around here. Uh, and, and he's from Queens, New York, of all places. So it's, it's kind of funny to see that. Yeah, but it's week seven already. That blows my mind, man. That that that, that hurts oh, me. Man, it's going by so hey, but yeah, but it, it, we, we appreciate it while it's here. Now, uh, college football week seven, I think when we talk about the biggest games on the slate, it has to do with the Pac-12, Oregon at Washington on ABC. It'll be at 2.30. And I brought up – I mean, I got back from my honeymoon, and the first thing I brought up was USC and how bad their defense is still. So I don't even think they're in the driver's seat as much as we thought they were going to be in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. That's not the case. I think the winner of this game is in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. Do you see it any differently? Oh, no doubt about that. I mean, just looking – I mean, everybody has a tough remaining schedule. Of those actual competitors and those actual uh, contenders – Everybody has a lot of tough games here, right? But whoever wins this game is going to be in a better position simply because they can afford to maybe drop one and not be killed from the playoff picture. So uh, you can't lose this game and then go through this gauntlet of a schedule and then drop another one. You're automatically out of the playoff position then. So uh, like you said, whoever wins this game is going to be the one in the driver's seat going forward. And there was a time where I didn't want to blame Lincoln Riley for sticking by his guy Alex Grinch for all these years, but now it's a Lincoln Riley problem. This, this is something he has to figure out. Like, it's, it's just, it blows my mind that you sit here, bottom 25 in yards allowed against a cupcake schedule thus far, and you, you have a 3-0-T game against an Arizona team that you should absolutely smack around the field. Your offense is going to be great. He builds Heisman quarterbacks. We understand that. But the fact that he's stuck by Alex Grinch all these years, I just, I cannot understand. I know we've talked about this in the past. I can't understand it. I just can't. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can't put your finger on it because what is the strength of the defense here? I, I can't think of anything. You they have dudes, though, too, right? They spent money. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. That's the point that I was making. They Last year, you could kind of give them a pass. It was year one at USC. You weren't able to get all of your guys there. This year, they went out and got Bear Alexander types, uh, Jamil Muhammad types, who's a dominated G5 level, and I believe he's leading the team in sacks now for them. They went out and got a bunch of guys. Uh, you got a Damani Jackson, uh, who was a five-star, became from, I think he uh, was a modern-day kid, and it was down to Alabama and USC, and USC got the kid, and now he's healthy and playing. So you're getting all these type top-tier guys healthy and ready to play, and the defense still doesn't look good. It actually kind of looks a little bit worse than it did last year. And it's, it is, there's no explanation for it other than the scheme and the system. Yeah, and I just I, – Lincoln Riley, like – I know you brought up like hot seat earlier in the year, and I don't think he's there yet by any stretch of the imagination. USC has not been good really since about the 2010s in the 2010s. But at some point, if you want to be the coach that you say you are, the college football playoff contending, college football potentially winning, uh, college football playoff potentially winning a national championship, you have to you have to rid yourself, Alex Grinch. I'm sorry. Like after this year. There's gonna have to have to be there's gonna have to be some very uncomfortable conversations and like just looking at the stretch they have remaining they have Notre Dame this week on the road then you're gonna have Washington you have Oregon Utah there's no way that I see forward for USC without losing one or two games with the defense they've shown so far. Yeah, absolutely, man. And kind of going back to uh, you know we talked about this uh, off air a couple times, but. Hot seat might have been a little hot take-ish from me. Uh, but I was just saying, from the perspective that 
it's probably never going to be easier than it is now. Right. This is the last season. I mean, listen, Pac-12 is a very competitive conference. It's very top-heavy in my opinion. Uh, but they have really good teams. Now you're just picking up the teams from the Pac-12, the best teams from the Pac-12, and adding them to the Big Ten, yep. which you're going to go to and then play the top ten teams from the Big Ten. This is presumably the easiest stretch you will ever have to get to a national title. So I think the pressure is on in a way that many people may not because this is as easy as it's ever going to get. And we've seen Lincoln teams. There's enough of a sample size here to, to understand what Lincoln Riley teams are. Highly explosive, competitive offenses. Defenses that at Oklahoma were solid. They weren't this bad at all. They were solid, decent defenses that could get you to uh, January and give you a chance. We've actually started to see the defense side of the ball regress. So we know what Lincoln Riley teams are. And going into a much more difficult situation going forward in the Big Ten, it's just hard for me to believe that anything will change. And I know, you know, we may not get into it here, but I'm not even 100% sure he'll be at USC much longer going forward. The NFL is calling. Yep, no question. No question. And most likely this can be last year. Caleb Williams got to develop another quarterback. We know he makes Heisman quarterbacks, but it's about more than that. Now, with Caleb Williams, I, I, I am – I like Caleb Williams. He's unbelievable. I mean, there's, there's no doubting it. He's a Heisman guy, 22 TDs, the one INT, six, six touchdowns rushing the ball. He's been unbelievable. He's at the top of the Heisman race. I get all that. Some of the smoke in the NFL draft stuff, and, like, he's the best prospect we've ever seen. He's already on Patrick Mahomes' level. What was it? Dan Orlovsky said he's a mix between Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. I'm sick of it, Kai. Like, I, I, I love the guy, and I just want him to be the best prospect in the NFL draft. He doesn't have to be much more than that, though. We've seen what he is, and all of these, these conversations about who he is as a player already, and he's just going to take the NFL by storm, it's just insane to me. Is it insane to you? Oh, yeah, man. Listen, I'm, it's actually funny. I'm on my phone, and they got him on my phone right now because I can go uh, look up the tweet. Uh, but this was Tom Stamp. 8.51 a.m., March 17, 2023, and I said, random football thought, Caleb Williams mania can maybe get as crazy as Cam Newton, Johnny Menzel, and Tim Tebow mania was. I didn't think that was possible before, but we may be able to see that level of star again. That was in March, and now I think it's greatly surpassed anything we've probably ever seen in terms of hype, in terms of expectation. This is becoming something that I've never seen before. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of arguments off air with, you know, some of our friend group about, uh, if this is normal or not. And I think that we've seen generational quarterback prospects before, right? We've seen yeah. – we, we lived through the Andrew Luck era. We lived through Trevor Lawrence being called a first-round draft pick at, at 12, 13 years old. But even then, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. I mean, you had NFL head coaches, Sean Payton, going on air, live on national TV, saying that Caleb Williams is so good, we're going to maybe change the way we draft. We're going to have a draft lottery for football. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anything to that magnitude. And I just, I just think it's – Starting to bubble. I think Tom Mache said he was a, a surefire Hall of Famer. Like, the type of <laughs> expectation on, and stuff it's is, crazy. And I don't think it's fair to – more importantly, I don't think it's fair to Caleb. I think Caleb expects to be great. I think Caleb is one of the best college football players we've ever seen. But the level of expectation is starting to become a little bit too much, in my opinion. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Talking with Kyron Samuels at Kyron Samuels on X. Now, Alabama's a, a program you follow closely. Your uncle went there. I, I, I'm just curious on one thing. We both know this very well, offensive line. They have dudes up there. I just, they have dudes. Darian Dalcourt's a stud. Uh, Caden Proctor was a five-star, and he's had some struggles, but he's a freshman. He'll come along. Uh, you think he'll come along eventually. He'll probably be an NFL guy. J.C. Latham's one of the best guys I've seen. I, I Like, what is going on? I never thought I'd be in a moment 
where I worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I am talking about a Nick Saban coach Alabama team, and I'm saying Alabama has an offensive line problem, but they really do. You know what? And I said this going into the season. I thought they could be one of the better offensive lines in Alabama history, and I still do believe that. I think they're starting to trend toward that. But you know what the big thing is? I think they came into this season – Far too heavy, and this is like some real offensive. No, line no, for but, sure they're they're uh, they're slow and they're barreling. But you know what, Kai? I thought that wouldn't be an issue because, like, truthfully, I thought they'd run the ball a whole lot more. But they're stuck in this sort of weird transition where you have Tommy Reese as the OC. You want them to run the ball a whole lot more, and they're still throwing. They're still airing it out with Jalen Milrow. Yeah, man, it, it's it's really confusing, man. It's just like watching the first. Uh, three games of the season, you kind of got that. Uh, the whole theme around the offseason was joyless murder ball. It's, it's an Alabama saying, uh, joyless murder ball, we're going to just run over teams, <laughs> we're going to run the ball down your throat, we're going to stop you from running the ball. And then you kind of get into the season, it's kind of been the opposite of that offensively. It's just been a little bit of everything. They're trying to see what works, and I think a little bit of it is Tommy Reese, you're working off the Kings with a new OC and a new type of philosophy. A little bit of that is Jalen Milrow, because as, as good as he is, if we're talking about the pass pro here, as good as he is, um, with his athleticism and his feet, sometimes that could actually get you into trouble in terms of getting sacked and yeah. bailing from a clean pocket or, you know, getting blocked for four or five seconds and still bailing the pocket and then you get sacked. There's, there's a little bit of that, but I think, a lot of, I think a lot of it is just mentality. These are some kids that are, are a little bit young. I think JC is probably the most veteran guy of the group, but, uh, even though he's a, only a true junior. He's played more than Dolph Ford and McLaughlin have. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of mentality, and I think that they thought that, hey, we're working really hard. We're Alabama. We have all this talent. We have all this ability. We're just going to go out there and roll over people. And I don't think they fully realize how much everybody wants to beat them every week. So I think what we've seen post-USF game has been very, very good and started to trend to what we wanted to see from them in the beginning. But those first three games of the year were definitely a problem. Yeah, I, I still am not. Like, people can be out on Alabama. I think that's foolish with Nick Saban. I'm not out on them because I think Jalen Milrow, like, I, I, have a, I have a good feeling about him down the stretch of this season. After seeing what he did against A&M, after getting sacked six times, no run game, and I know that some of it's weird in college football because we count sacks, but 26 rushes for 23 yards. I was, I, I'm impressed with Jalen Milrow, and he's coming along building confidence. I think that that could be massive for this Alabama team down the stretch of the season. If they get that O-line figured out, they start running the ball well, I mean, this is still a fully capable team of making the college football playoff. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I think that the biggest thing – is that the defense is good enough to let yep. the offense work out the teams. If the defense was, you know, maybe just middle of the road or just a good defense and not maybe the best defense in the country, we'd be having a different conversation here. But the defense is good enough to, you know, take the ball away from them, to score some points for the offense, to take a little bit of the pressure off their back and the play callers back. So, uh, but I, I do 100% agree with what you said about Jalen Milrow. He, this is only his, uh, I believe he's going into his seventh start. I mean, he, he's not playing a ton of football here. So to see the strides that he's made with his opportunity, uh, it's been very encouraging because, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but Alabama is not a place where you let guys develop. 
You're either ready to play right yep. now and, and contribute to a national championship level team, or you're not, and you're going to sit until you are. So, uh, you know, just to see a guy be able to work through it on the field in real game reps in real time is pretty unique to see from a Nick Saban team. Uh, but I think it's going to help this guy grow. And I, th- I don't think we've kind of seen this level of uh, mystery around the Alabama team since 2015 when you had the Jacob Coker season, when he emerged and they went on to win a national championship. There's no Derrick Henry here to kind of <laughs> lean on here. But mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what the season reminds me of if we're talking about unpredictability and seeing a team grow. So they got Al- uh, Alabama has Arkansas at home this weekend. They're huge favorites, 19.5-point favorites. Arkansas on the other side. I love Sam Pittman. I think you're sort of in that same boat. I mean, we like O-line guys. Oh, yeah. and it's, it's been a struggle to see this from him, but five, staring down the barrel at five straight losses. How, how worried should he be about his job security right this second? I, I think he should be substantially worried. Now, I've, I've talked to some guys in the Arkansas orbit, and uh, in particular had one on on Wednesday. Ty Richardson joins me every week, and he says that he feels like – Sam will keep his job for another year so long as he doesn't just lose out, which, which I don't see, I don't foresee happening. They've been close in games. They have three one-score losses. Um, but at the same time, five straight losses, two and five potentially, this is not trending in a, in a good direction for Sam Pittman. Yeah, man. And, you know, like, like you said, I love Sam Pittman. We're offensive line guys. I think he's one of the guys that you want to have on your staff. Yes, is he a, a head coach at this level? I think he is, but I think the time for a head coach like him has maybe passed. Mm-hmm. There's, this is a different ball game we're experiencing right now in college football. And I think he's maxed out the ability of all these Arkansas teams. I truly do believe that. But I think that's also an issue. If this is the ceiling for your teams, you can't compete in the SEC. And even with you know, unrealistic expectations, people are going to want a little bit more. So even if you're maxing the team out, if this is how high your team can go in this conference – probably going to get somebody else in here soon. And I hate to say that, but maybe Sam Pittman is like an associate head coach type of guy or an offensive line guy that can go help a Georgia or Alabama kind of sustain their level of excellence. I think he's always going to have that type of role if he wants it. Uh, But unfortunately, I do feel like the pressure is really on Sam Pittman here uh, to, to, you know, get to at least seven wins this year. You have to try to get to seven. Now, speaking of maxing out his teams, uh, Mark Stoops was in the news earlier this week. And first of all, I, I hate when people post comments from a coach without giving full context. He was, t- he was answering a call-in from a Kentucky fan that was mad about them losing to Georgia and getting their ass kicked. And I just, <laughs> and of course you're going to get your ass kicked by Georgia. But he said, you know, if you want better results, we have to donate more, get more NIL money. I hated how many people took that the wrong way. And, and maybe because it was out of context and they didn't really understand the context he was saying it in. But he didn't tell a damn lie. He was, he was dead truthful, and quite frankly, I didn't see it as complaining. He's telling, he's telling everyone what needs to happen for Kentucky to ever come close to reaching Georgia's level, which I don't think will happen. Yeah, I mean, 100% truth. I mean, I think guys like you and me may have a little bit more insight into how the game actually has operated and will continue to operate for the foreseeable future, but he didn't tell a lie. And I think that when you're looking at a team like Kentucky – uh, they've been a basketball school, we know this. Uh, getting to seven, eight wins has always been deemed a good enough job. And realistically, with the amount of money that they do currently invest, with the amount of uh, opposition that they're up against in terms of elite talent and people pouring money into defeating a program like Kentucky, I don't think that you can complain or dis- disagree with anything that he said. Right. If you want to compete with the Georgias and the Texas, Texas and the Oklahomas and the Alabamas and the A&Ms, even the Auburns, 
which has a ton of private money, uh, to invest into the football program, you need to com- you need to donate. It's not a requirement. He didn't say, hey, you have to do this. We we want you to. He said, no. Listen, if you want to put your money where your mouth yes. is, we need all the help we can get because this is what it takes, and that is the God's honest truth. Yes. And and like I, I I hope I think most Kentucky fans understand he's the best they can do right now, right? And he's the best really that oh, yeah. they've had ever. Um, but the power structure of that of that entire athletic department leans to basketball, and that's how it's going to be. It's how it's been historically. It's how it's going to be going into the future. So you just have to understand that and understand that five and one and ranked in the top twenty five is damn good for what they have <laughs> on that damn roster. Now, last couple of things. Let's get into the NFL. You put out a tweet. Yesterday, talking about Sean Payton, it's time to tell the truth about him. Um, we saw him on Thursday Night Football, and the Chiefs are not where they want to be, but this is not what this is about. I did something earlier in the show. Uh, it was a blind resume, uh, and Sean Payton at this point is uh, viewed almost through a legendary lens because of what he did with the Saints and Drew Brees. But he's 153-93. and 93. He's 9-8 and eight in the playoffs, including the one Super Bowl win. The blind resume was against a guy who I don't think he's – he's a head coach, but I don't think he's viewed in, in some legendary realm by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy that everybody talks about firing all the time, but this, uh, this head coach is 158-99, and 99, very comparable – 11 and 10 in the playoffs with a Super Bowl. That coach is Mike McCarthy. I look at Sean Payton and the view we had of him through all of his Saints days. It's it's substantially too high compared to what he actually is as a coach. Now is he a good coach? Of course. Is he great? Arguable, no question. But legendary, the way we viewed him before this this season with the Broncos, his first season with the Broncos, I I, I don't think I don't think he's that. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement there. And I think, uh, you know, when I say let's have these uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations, let's have these uh, truthful conversations, I don't mean to tarnish his reputation or his legacy for what he has accomplished. Just to be, put it into real-world, current-time terms, he's not a great or elite head coach. It's just the, the fact of the matter. We've seen too many teams. I, I think the Ravens are a very good example of this. Uh, that have made it work with less. I mean, you talk about injury after injury, losing Lamar Jackson, uh, each of the last four seasons for at least three games. Almost went in the playoff game with Tyler Huntley at quarterback yep. against the Cincinnati Bengals, who have gone to two straight uh, AFC championships. I mean, if you talk about a, a, the term of consistency, Harbaugh, in my opinion, gets too much flat for what he's done, and a guy like Sean Payton gets too much credit for what he's done. Um, you can keep history history, and we can appreciate him for what he was, but, man, I think the game has passed him by. I mean, to be so – uh, mundane, and people saying, "Oh, it has something to do with the quarterback or this and that." And I'm like, I've seen too many other coaches through the NFL make it work with less talent than the Denver Broncos currently have right now. And I hate to be this guy. Like I, I see people go after Russell Wilson. It's not all Russell Wilson. Is he the guy that got paid the most? Sure, <laughs> but at the same time, bad defense, 32 out of 32. His wide receivers aren't getting open. He's running a system that he should not be running. Personally, Sean Payton needs to adjust to his personnel. He hasn't done that. He thinks he's trying to make Russell Wilson into Drew Brees. Russell Wilson's never been Drew Brees. He's a guy who makes plays off platform. Go do that. Go try to find different ways to use his strengths to to your advantage. He's not doing that. It, it is. It's strange though. To see, I think the view is starting to shift on Sean Payton, but before the season, the thoughts of what he was going to be able to do with this Broncos team, it's just, it's not there. But, but Kyron, I appreciate the heck out of it, man. We'll do it again soon. No problem, man. Appreciate your brother as always. Yes, sir. That's Kyron Samuels, uh, staff writer.
and senior consultant at Defiant Takes and also former offensive lineman, all-conference offensive lineman at Jacksonville State. Now snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. Wide range of betting options, including but not limited to spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash K. That's my promo code, G-A-B-E-K, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. The Blitz is on the way, and week seven of college football is also on the way. I'm going to go ahead and break down some of the massive matchups for the weekend. That's going to be next, 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 